Okay. All right, great. All right, so I will have the panelists just tell us who they are and tell us a bit about themselves. I'm sure that today you're going to learn a lot about the technology sector, but also like learn the path that you'd want to go to. I know some people are pivoting. Some people were probably born into tech, like if they care probably. Um, but looking forward to having a great session, okay? So we'll start with Allah on my left. On my right, rather. Uh, please tell us about yourself. Right. So, it's great to be here. Good to meet everyone um, this afternoon. Uh, my name is Ola Julius, as you can see in that. Um, um, I'm about to have um, Julius is actually my work name. Right? So, please, please listen, Ola. I actually have an issue with Julius name from my South Africa days. So, I grew up in South Africa a bit. And they would always call it as Julius. And I didn't did like it. Right, let's just do a lot. Right, so so yes, Ola's name. Um, studied um, in South Africa. Actually, went there when I was about um, twelve. Turned in my schooling there. Went on to um study applied maths and computer science in the University of Johannesburg. And at the time, I'd chosen that path because I had some some passion for tech, right? Technology. I don't know if I really like tech, but oh, I loved the idea of what a computer could do. Right, so see the computer in action, get me excited. So I said, okay, what are my options? Computer engineering, computer science, things like that. And um, the university did not have computer engineering, they had computer science. And we had to take a second major. And, um, you know, with all the majors that were available, I chose to punish myself with applied maths. And, um, you know, when I, I knew it was punishment when we got to final year. And there were only about 10 of us in the class. So, the number of people have had dropped off along the way. But yeah, so it was, it was quite an interesting time. Um, computer science was what I was really there for. The applied maths was just, you know, let's, let's just do this thing to, to kind of, uh, get a degree. Um, so yeah, I, I know I didn't really like the idea of programming, right? So I did computer science, but I didn't really like programming. It was, I didn't like coding. Um, a lot of people find that weird, but I love the idea of computers. But I didn't like coding. Is anyone like this? Yeah. See, my people are here. You know, you know, it's, it's good. Computer is nice. It's beautiful. We like what it does. But who wants to check what is behind the scenes? Like for your iPhone, do you want to know how the iOS iOS is programmed? I found that. I found that a bit boring. Um. So I didn't know what I was going to do. To be honest, after um, when I was doing my university degree, and you know, my colleagues in school were obviously we go the natural path of going to become a software developer. Right, or a software engineer. In our time, we didn't have all these um, career talks in school where we knew about product management, business analysis, and Texas, which is where, which is what I do right now. We didn't have all that, all that luxury. It was only you study computer science, you're a programmer. That was it, right? And that was like, this is not me, right? I, I don't want to, I don't want to program. I want to talk about tech, right? I want to be able to sell the value of tech to to customers. Um, at that time, I didn't know what that, I didn't know what that area path was called. You know, I just thought it was something I was making up myself. Because no one had told us that in school. The professors had not mentioned tech sales or anything like that. So when all the companies came doing, doing grad, um, you know, pro, grad recruitment, most of the companies were software development companies, right? So, you know, again, I wasn't interested. So I was just like looking around and waiting what's going to happen here. 
you know, everyone is everyone seems excited about this software development and John. Sorry, I'm not taking too much time. Oh, well, because yeah. oh, everyone's gonna. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just gonna. I wanna. I wanna rush through this now. My stay is very emotional. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um, um, where was I? So I guess. Um, so, so the recruiters had come in. Recruiters had come in, and you know they were all software development firms, and I didn't know what to do. And then HP came, and that was that was a turning point for me. So when HP came to to the recruitment, they talked about what they have, and they didn't say anything about development. So software development. I feel like sorry, just yeah. sorry to interrupt, but you're answering some of the questions that I see. Yeah, because I mean, I was going to ask about your path. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me just let me give you the first question. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, um, I guess like, what do you do? Yeah, yeah, okay. And like, okay. so what is your absolutely, look like? yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I was going to talk about this so. Let's get to your path. So I then joined HP, then um, started my career in, um, in um, tech sales, but it was a hardware route. At some point, I didn't like that, so I moved to IBM to start the software and tech sales journey. From there, Microsoft came calling, and um, they approached me for a discussion, and then I joined IBM. Um, did that for a number of years, and then I made a decision to move to Canada, from South Africa. So this was in South Africa, I made a decision to Canada. And um, for, so when I made the decision, like I was just, you know, hanging out, hanging around, waiting for um, an opportunity. And then AWS um, sent me a note. And um, in the long, to cut the long story short, I went to be processed and, you know, joined AWS as a um, cloud platform sales specialist. And, and eventually became a cloud platform sales lead in the company. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you all for coming. I'm grateful for this opportunity. So um, just introducing myself, right? That was your question. Introduce yourself. Tell us what you do. Yeah. So hi, my name is F.A. Um, I'm currently um, uh, a data science and analytics, analytics manager at HelloFresh. Um, been there for about four years. I've been in the data space for about seven. Um, and yeah, looking forward to, you know, answering questions and hopefully sharing a little bit of my journey and hopefully that still be helpful for you. Hi everyone, my name is Nathaniel. Uh, I'm a product manager at TELUS um, and I support a video product, a video on demand product that operates in Quebec, Alberta and BC. I'm a newer, I'm newer to tech. I transitioned probably like two or three years ago um, so I could speak to that pivot my background's in video production, which I still have an interest in, um, and I stumbled into this role. So I'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'm really enjoying my time in, in a tech role and in tech environment at TELUS right now. And I can also speak to uh, the intersection between some of my interests, my personal interests, and how that can apply to a role in product management as well. So that's it. Awesome. Thank you. You can keep it. You can keep it. Um, well, uh, you've answered my next two questions. So I'll get back to you, you know, in the next three questions. Um, but before I do that, I just wanted to confirm who is taking the bus. If you're taking the bus, show of hands. Okay, great. Um, so the bus will be leaving in about 30 minutes. So at 410, but I'm just going to give you a reminder before the bus leaves. Okay. Okay. So Nathaniel, my question for you is, um, what inspires your career path, right? Because I know you said that you made a bit of a pivot, and I did too as well. Right. Um, so what inspired you to make that change? 
Um, so for me personally, I had been working at an advertising company for about six years. Um, and in that role, I had moved around. I was working with the actual video files. I was a QC uh, specialist at the time. And, you know, ads would come in, music videos would come in, and I'd be responsible for making sure they look good, um, met their technical specifications. And then later, I was in the sales uh, client team. Um, I also worked a bit in the software development side, but not in an official role, more so supporting them because I had the data from the clients and I was able to speak to a lot of the input that clients were giving. Um, and I also found that I, I really enjoyed leading people. I really enjoyed, you know, problem solving, but I didn't, I hit a ceiling at, in that company. There wasn't any opportunities for growth and I was just feeling very stagnant. And so, uh, with that in mind, I, I identified the, the, the things that I wanted to pursue, which was a role that had uh, leadership, like I could operate in leadership capacity, um, I could focus on problem solving, and something in tech. That was all that I was running with. I had no idea about product management. Um, a friend had, had sent a link to Colab, which is like a, a, a boot camp that partnered me with a software developer and a UX UI designer where I could just get full experience on what it's like to be a product manager and, you know, both feed in pretty much just getting the full experience. And I knew from then that, okay, this is something that I actually really enjoy. It taps into a lot of my, my personal gifts. Um, it's going to challenge me. And so within that time frame, I had updated my LinkedIn page. Um, they were encouraging everyone to like put yourself out there. I'm the type of person that I would kind of be in the shadows and, you know, just do my own thing. And I said, you know, I'm going to, you know, update my LinkedIn page, you know, really promote myself. And within a few months, someone had reached out to me directly and said, hey, there's a role at TELUS that we think you'd be great for. This was during the great resignation. So this is in the middle of the pandemic and all sorts of things were happening in the industry. So uh, the opportunity presented itself to me. I was a little bit nervous because I thought, am I capable of leading you know, an eight to 12 person team. I had done it in some capacity in my, my current role, but I didn't have the title. So I wasn't uh, confident that I could, but I, at, at the time I was able to look at my skills, look at the projects I worked on and I applied for the role just out of faith. Uh, and during that interview, um, the uh, manager that I was speaking with basically told me that there are some people that had more certification than me, but he noticed that I would mesh well with the team that I'd be able to cooperate with the other people that, that work there. And he said, you know, give you an opportunity. You know, I think you'd be great. And then he offered uh, a chance to develop me as well. And so, you know, three years later, I'm still in the same role or the same, same company. And I'm really thankful. Um, and that's how I ended up in, in product management at Telus, like completely by faith and chance. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, you can um, answer the same question as well, uh, just about your past, I think it was. Yeah. Right. Uh, cool, yeah, so for me, um, my story into data kind of started um, when I finished towards the end of my undergrad. So I had gone into undergrad with the idea of actually becoming a lawyer, funny enough. Um, that's kind of what I was running with my entire time um, in undergrad. So my last year, the last semester of my last year of undergrad, got a great opportunity to intern um, at a law firm. So I was like, okay, cool. This was like, you know, cement that I really wanted to be a lawyer. It, it did the opposite. Um, so after spending a few months there, like it became very, very clear to me that that's not what I wanted to do. So you can imagine I'm at the end of 
at the end of my undergrad, um, the plan I had shifted. So I was kind of figuring out, okay, you know, what am I going to do? Um, had the great opportunity to, to go to a career fair that they were having, they were having, um, at the school that I went to at the time. Um, met with a, um, someone, one of the HR folks from one of the banks. Um, this was in Edmonton, so it was one of the banks out west. Um, so we kind of talked. I shared a little bit about, you know, what I was looking for and all that kind of stuff. She said that, hey, like, I think you'd be great. We do have some co um, some internships over the summer. You know, I would, if there's anything that comes up, I'll reach out to you. I didn't think I was going to ever hear from her again. And lo and behold, truly two weeks later, she messages me and said, hey, we've got a four month internship in our credit analytics department um so you know would you be interested you know i signed on so that was my first introduction into the world of data into the world of analytics um so that four months internship actually turned into a two-year um role like a two-year opportunity with that bank so i was with that bank for almost two years um working out in the analytics space but then also worked in commercial banking so then came clear to me that, yeah, data analytics, kind of data science, that's where I wanted to build my career. Um, so that led me back to school, did a master's degree. Um, so that's what actually brought me to Ontario, did the master's degree, and then was fortunate to get a job um, here in Toronto shortly after, you know, once my once my master's was done. And yeah, kind of been in the, been fully in the space ever since. Um, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Thank you. Okay. So yeah, you can give the mic to Alana. <laughs> Can you tell us some of the challenges that you faced in um in your I guess in your in your role or in in your path to your role? All right, thank you. Um challenges. Where do I start? Uh so so I mean the, the world of sales generally, um so coming out of university, um, like I said, all we knew was how to program. And um, going into um, this world of textiles, um, the first thing that I struggled with was the, you know, concepts of, of textiles in itself. So how do you sell to, you know, a customer, right? And we're talking about selling something which is almost abstract, right? It's easy to sell that microphone because you can see it. But when you talk about selling tech, you know, customers cannot see it. So you're basically selling, um, you know, value. A certain pain point that I did not know anything about that, and it was it was a big hurdle for me at that time. So that was the first challenge I had to you know figure out figure that out quickly. Um, secondly, we had quotas, right? Um, first time in my life experiencing quotas, and that is pressure on its own, right? So that's 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 a huge challenge till now. We still have that, um, and mitigating that is basically following certain sales processes and all of that. And when you yeah. say quarters, you mean like the sales targets that you have yes. to reach, right? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Sales targets, which increases every year, by the way. Um, so we've got to, we've got to navigate that, you know, on a yearly basis. You hit a quarter this year, you're excited. Next year, they say, "Wow, you did well. Here's some more." You know, so I've got to navigate that yearly. So that's just some the mind challenges, you know. I think in addition to that, keeping up to date with certain um, technology trends, a lot of things happen. Things happen so quickly in this in this space. Like you think you figure it out and someone comes up with chat GPT the next day, you're like, what's that? You know, I've got to figure that out again. So a couple of things happen. So I would say those are the top three for me. Okay. Interesting. And so just before you pass them, like how did you overcome the challenge of learning how to sell in tech? Yeah. So the first thing I did was to, you know, um, want the necessary training that the company provided at the time, 
that was that was key for me. They had lots of um, trainings at the at the time. They, they had something called the Global Sales School, right? It was uh, I think it was a twelve week program where they took us through you know the A's and B's of of tech tech sales. That was the I think that was that was key for me. In every company actually worked, um, they had all had to go through that static, which is this version of training. So that's been very helpful. Um, you know, finding the right mentor was key for me. So I identified a number of people that were successful in account um, management, in business development, and all of that. And I worked closely with them to get to where they were. So, you know, finding the right mentor, going, going to the right sales courses for me was key in overcoming that. Thank you. Um, so I'd like my panel to answer the same question because you transitioned. So I want to understand what sort of challenges you went through, you know, in transition and how you overcame them. Right. Um, there's, there are two major challenges that came to mind. So the first one was during the Colab program. Uh, when you're a product manager, you're essentially a middleman between various aspects of supporting that product. Uh, there's quote unquote the software team and the, the UX design team. And then there's also the data that you're dealing with from uh, the surveys that you put out to understand, okay, what product are we building? Um, one of the challenges that I had encountered was the communication styles between the uh, UX designer and the software developer were completely different. The UX designer was proactive in her communication, very outward, you know, kept me up to date with everything. Software guy just liked to do his own thing, keep to himself. And it made it challenging. It's very typical, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it made it very challenging at the time to get accurate uh, estimates for when things could get completed. And I was completely new. This is the first time I'm, I'm you know, product managing anything. And so I had to really learn how to extract information from someone who kind of likes to do their own thing. And then someone who maybe over communicated a bit too much. To the point where, you know, she's going directly to the software developer and fights are starting. So I'm realizing, okay, outside of, you know, the product management principles, there's like a lot of uh, people management here and trying to understand how to, you know, throw fires and really, uh, you know, comp like resolve conflicts and, and, and understand who you're working with. So that was the first challenge that I faced. And then coming into uh, TELUS, it was like that times... A hundred. Uh, I was dealing with an environment where, uh, let me see it now with AI and, and process efficiencies. I mentioned that I, I got a team of eight to 12 people. Let's say that was October. By December, it was three people. And that was because there were, you know, contracts and things that were being cut and they were trying to, you know, reduce workload, but still have the same expectations. And I felt like I was in over my head, but one thing that I did learn was, okay, if you just focus on what, what the objective is, um, and what your priorities are, we, I made it through. I made it through, but it also forced me to reevaluate what the objective was with the, the executives that were placing the pressure on us. It's like, okay, if this is how we're going to operate with this amount of people, let's reevaluate, you know, what are our, what, what we're going to achieve with this, this product. And it took that for us to kind of get, set better expectations and, you know, deliver something better versus, you know, getting frustrated that, okay, we had 12 people, you want us to do the same amount of, or you want us to uh, deliver the same way, but we only have, you know, three people. And communicating between uh, the, the different stakeholders that I had to, to work with, 
giving them clarity so that they know, okay, it's not on you. You know, there's just a lot of um, yeah. people management that, that I feel like transcends the product management role and maybe the, the principles that you might learn. All right. Yeah. So you've mentioned a few key skills that you need in the field of product management, such as communication and right. being able to prioritize right. um, people management. Are there any other skills that you think are necessary for someone to succeed in your field? Uh, you highlighted them pretty clearly. I think, uh, I don't know if you mentioned conflict resolution, but I didn't, but I think at the end of the day, in order to be effective at, at conflict resolution, you need to really understand what the actual issue is. And then when you're speaking to people, you need to be clear on what they have a problem with in particular. And that sounds a bit vague, but for example, um, if you're, if you're trying to resolve a, a problem with one person and what they're having an issue with is not what the other person's having an issue with, you, it, it's just going to be very messy. Uh, the project I'm working, the project that I'm working on is a little bit, uh, confidential. So I'm trying to use the right words, but at the end of the day, I think the soft skills that you mentioned along with, with conflict resolution will play into a uh, product management role more than you may think. And, um, and it, and it will give you the edge over somebody that may just have the certifications, but not really the, the experience. And experience doesn't have to come from a specific product management role in the industry. The bootcamp was enough to show me that, okay, these are some of the skills I might need to know in an official role. So you can get that experience in life and in general. You just need to identify what those are and then also apply them when you're in the role. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your response. Um, FA. Yeah. What? Yes, please. What's happened, Daniel? <laughs> um, can you tell us some of the necessary skills that are required to succeed in your field as well? Um, I would say probably the number one is problem solving. Um, actually, I'll put it one A and one B. Problem solving and stakeholder management. Um, and when I say stakeholder management, specifically around management expectations. So... If you go into a company and you're a data science person or you do machine learning or artificial intelligence, the, the default understanding is that like, okay, you're here to solve, like, do you have the magic wand that will solve absolutely everything? So I think being able to manage expectations is going to help you because that way, um, when people come to you with problems or when you identify opportunities, you can, you can, again, you can kind of level sets with people is what is actually a useful expectation versus what is just something that you know you saw in the movie that you know you can build a robot that will do x y and z right so i think that's that's a key piece but then problem solving is probably in my in my own opinion probably most important because at the end of the day um as a person who works in data you are essentially a cost center, right? You're a huge cost center. So you need to prove your value. Like it's, the data team needs to prove its value. Um, and because we're a team that's usually not directly, um, we're not directly impacting the bottom line, um, you have to you prove your value, right? So being able to identify what is what are actually the key priorities and key issues for whatever organization you're working at and being able to translate those problems into data problems and figuring out how can we build a data solution, whether it's an algorithm, whether um, if you're in the, in the analytics space, some sort of dashboard or whatever, that will help and augment um, the organization's ability to solve that problem. So I think that problem solving 
stakeholder management key. Okay. What would you say to someone that's starting out in data science? What are the key skills that it needs to have? Um, so obviously, like there's the technical skills that are, you know, table stakes. So things around, again, we can go into a whole spiel about this because data science means different things in different organizations, right? So what I, what I usually tell people is the first thing you need to do if you're trying to get into the space is kind of figure out what path you want to take, right? So under the kind of the umbrella of data science, there's data analytics, there's kind of BI, like business intelligence and reporting. Then you get into the space of data engineering, and then you get into the space of machine learning, which is kind of like the AI and all that kind of stuff. So the first thing I tell people is figure out kind of which path you want to follow, because though there are skills that permeate across all four, inter um, intercrit, inter what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Intricates me, yeah, intricate me. There are differences. There are differences, right? So each of those paths um, lead you to kind of be overexposed in one area versus versus the other. So, for example, if you're going into kind of BI, obviously being aware, being um, knowledgeable in things like you know how to build dashboards, dashboard design, data storytelling, all that stuff is important. If you're going into the analytics space, being able to manipulate data, do like exploratory data analysis do deep dive analysis, that stuff becomes important. So being able to use Excel, Google Sheets, SQL, all of those types of things become important. If you're going into the data engineering space, that's a little bit more of a technical role. So you now need to kind of understand database infrastructure. You need to understand um, SQL, but at a very advanced level to be able to build databases, build pipelines. Um, Python is super important because that's how you'll be able to um, build ETLs. You need to have knowledge of cloud computing platforms. Um, if you're going into machine learning, same thing, deep knowledge of statistics, deep knowledge of mathematics, um, programming, Python, hugely important. So like you, like, like I said, the skills differ. So that's probably the first thing you want to figure out is amongst these kind of four broad pillars um, of data science, where do you want to kind of plant your flag? And that will determine what skills, what hard skills um, you, need to, you need to learn. That was a fantastic answer. It was a lot. It felt like <laughs> But there is a lot to learn in the field for sure. Um, so I still have about two more questions for our panelists, but I'm going to pick one audience member to ask a question. Um, do we have a mic available? I can give you mine. Or, okay, let's see if we can hear you. I, I, see, I saw you put up your hand. Yeah, so could you just tell us your name and you can ask your question. Okay, so I'll repeat the question for those who didn't hear. Um, so Yvonne asked, our panelists exactly what they're good at intrinsically. So I have, well, if you have the mic, well, actually, I have all that answer first and then. Thank you. So, and the world of sales, um, there are a couple of things you need, right? Uh, I'm not answering your question, but I'm going to get to your question. And then, um, it wouldn't be bad for a sales guy, my listening. Um, so, um, being able to work with people is key for. And any career in sales. 
and that was actually what drove me, one of the drivers, right? Because um, I always figured out I knew how to work with people, right? Um, working with people was my superpower at the time, and I really returned into it and developed that even better. And because in sales, you work with external customers and your internal stakeholders, new people, you're always working with people every day. So being able to work with people, um, I would say, is my um, thing. And that's what I use in my, in my, in my job. So for me, I would say is leadership and ability to see from a strategic perspective. Um, I would say yeah, those are things that are strengths of mine that are um, very effective and impactful in the work that I do. Because when you're working in a very technical role, chances are the people who surround you are people who are very because they're very technical, they tend to be more tactical in their approach. So it's more, you know, they think more operationally and very seldomly do you see people who think strategically. So how do all the, the pieces kind of fit together to bring to pass whatever it is that we're trying to do? So for me, that ability um, has allowed me to be able to relate with both the technical side of the house, but then also the business side of the house as well. Uh, for me, it definitely falls along the lines of uh, conflict resolution and problem solving, which I frequently play a role as in my personal life, you know, being a middleman or like someone who's very diplomatic, getting a full understanding on all of the sides that are involved in the issue, um, and not just getting a full understanding, but you need to really be an active listener and hear what's being said you know, break it down to its essence and find a, a proper solution. And, and that's the role that I mostly play in my product management role. It's something that I, I was playing in my video uh, client services role as well. And it's followed me along my career path. So I'd say what my skill is, is problem solving and, and conflict resolution. And that's what helps me excel in my role. Interesting. So it feels like it felt like you guys didn't really say something that was specific to tech in terms of oh I know how to code really well or I know how to build algorithms and I find that very interesting because you know those soft skills are actually what end up taking you even further and also like the things that you're good at could look different in different industries. Um, all right, so I just wanted to make the announcement that the bus leaves in seven minutes, five minutes. Um, and so if you're taking the bus, you can head out to, um, to the parking lot and we're, but we're still going to be here taking more questions. So I'll just give a minute for you to leave. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, how's everyone feeling? Good? Are we enjoying the the panel so far? Okay, awesome. Um Towards the end of the event or at, at any time, you can scan the QR code. I believe that's available in your packages just to give, you know, just to give feedback about the events. And also just don't forget, it's also outside when you're leaving, you can scan the QR code as well.
So my next question, and this would be for, for Ola, is how do you manage work-life balance and avoid burnouts? Yeah, that's to manage that. Um, so, so work-life balance, um, I think is, is key, especially in, uh, in a high pressure environment like, um, excels. Um, you've got, you've got the pressure of quota. You've got, in my case, I've got the pressure of quota, my personal quota, and then the pressure of managing a team and making sure that they are successful. So it is, you know, if, if you do not apply the necessary, um, you know, work-life balance techniques, you might just, you might, you might, you might end up getting burned out. So, um, the first thing I practice is, um, prioritize, prioritization. Um, I always make sure that I have a proper to-do list with everything in order of priority. Um, it has helped me tremendously with managing that and making sure that I'm not taking on everything and anything. I'm doing what makes sense at that point in time in the right um, amount of time. And that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is uh, something I have to work on is the ability to say no, not being afraid to say no. A number of times, people come to you with, you know, very um, unrealistic requests. And uh, how do you say no in such scenarios? So you should, you should develop that tough skin sometimes and say no when you need to say no. The third thing I'll say is um, create the necessary boundaries in your job role. Um, you go from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., if that's your case, and if you know that you do not work from 5 p.m., then you could communicate that clearly so that people are not um, abusing your um, niceness and by, you know, wrapping up, dropping meetings in your calendar at 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m., you know, stuff like that over um, an amount of time will start to wear you down and you start to feel that burnout more. Um, if you know that you don't take, you don't take what is at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., you must communicate that. So, um, that's, that boundary is, uh, is quite, is quite helpful. And the fourth thing I started doing recently, which, you know, you start to see the results soon is, uh, exercising. Right. Um, by God's grace, we'll get there, we'll get there. So, so, so going to the gym is, is necessary. Once, it's, once I started doing that regularly, I actually realized that, you know, I was, it's much calmer. Global calm. Yeah. Also, it actually helped you a lot as well. Nice. Thank you. Um, so I will also take one more audience question. Who has a question? Um, Renee, I saw your hand go up first in the back. All right. Thanks, Renee. Great question. So the first was about mentorship. The second was about resources. And the third was about any career transitions that he's made. Okay. 
Yeah, so fundamental, I think uh, I found that pretty easy in my, in my early days. Um, there were so many seasoned and strong, um, you know, account executives and, and, and sellers in the company that I just had to pick one that really aligned with my personal values. You know, I had to look at, you know, you know the person I had to you know, form a, a, a bond with. Um, and someone who had been through my path. So, you know, come country university and started in, in straight into Texas. So I had to find someone who had gone through that same journey and had become successful. Right. So I looked in, within the organization for the first one in sales and I found them within the organization. Right. It was actually someone who was not in South Africa at the time. He was sitting in Dubai. Right. Um, but because the company encourages mentee, mentorship, and all of that. We had a program around that. So it was very easy to actually, you know, find someone in the system that had already, you know, raised his hand to be a mentor. And I found out that, you know, he had, you know, similar, he had a similar path to, to, to what my path was going to be. And I reached out and, um, he was very instrumental to be, to be very, to be very candid. So, you know, the, the, I think it's always easy to look within your, um, your immediate circle first. We look within your organization. And start there. If you're not able to find anyone, you can do a LinkedIn search and find people that, um, you know, have, you know, similar, like I would say, have the same, someone who has been through that path, who has been through that journey. And it's where you want to be, right? And then that's, that's, that could help. Does that answer your question? Okay. Um, so, so resources, so generally around, um, sales, I, I kind of focus my energy on, reading book or listening to other books that was around tech, right? So I wasn't really focusing on learning sales skills, whatever books I, I pick, whatever content I consume. And that's just because the company was giving us a lot of training around sales already. They already we had books by PowerPoint around listening, active listening, communication, all that stuff. Negotiations, conflict resolution, all that stuff, how to close a deal, the happening of that in surplus. So I really do not want to focus my energy on that. So I focus my energy on just reading certain books, like I heard in the cloud, um, I read books on talking, painting and stuff like that, just to stay relevant and figure it out. As a salesperson, you want to develop a technical acumen. Because when you talk to customers, you are able to communicate that effectively if you have necessary knowledge from a technical perspective, right? So I would say if you're in tech sales, for me, it's what I did. I, I focused my energy on learning more about the tech itself. I read more books around tech, around what's going on in the markets, and then I brought that to my customer discussions. So... We'll have, we'll just pause there because I do want you to, to tell us how you, um, I guess how you establish your network or how you grow your network in your fields. So we knew that we couldn't ask the third question. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, for me, it's LinkedIn, LinkedIn and more LinkedIn. I think, um, especially when it comes to, when it comes to the space of data, there are, there are a lot of, at least when I, when I first started out, there weren't as many, um, kind of boot camps and other ways to get into data as, as there are now. So it becomes a little bit trickier to find voices that are seasoned and, and deeply knowledgeable, right? So you kind of have to be very, very, very intentional about it. I think probably the app that I spent most of my time on is probably LinkedIn, right? So, um, but that's for, that's from a, from a, 
data perspective. In terms of just general mentorship around my career, again, like I try to take advantage of um, different different opportunities that are happening in the city or or whatever. Um, there's organizations out there that do mentorship on a more professional level. So I would recommend, um, I'd recommend you know taking advantage of those. One of my mentors that I have today, um, I met him through one of those avenues, and he he was CTO of a huge company in the U.S. Outside of that, I would have, I would have never, when I, at the time that I met him, he was the head of engineering for Uber, like Uber as a whole, right? So those are kind of people that I would never have met on my own. So I try to take advantage of, um, whenever there are organizations in the city that are doing mentorship and they have the cachet to attract well accomplished people. Please lean into that. That's my recommendation is lean into those things because you get exposed to people that otherwise you probably would, would, would not meet to be frank. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, and I could echo the value of LinkedIn. You know, I joined the bootcamp. So bootcamp is number one because I was able to get connected with people I wouldn't have otherwise been connected with. The software developer that I worked with uh, is a developer for Netflix, which is not some, like I'm, I have no experience. So that connection would never have happened without bootcamp. Um, but from that, they encouraged me to update my LinkedIn, as I mentioned, and months later is when I got the opportunity to work at TELUS and receive, it wasn't just the only opportunity I, I got presented to me, but I realized the value in, in LinkedIn. I know a lot of people talk about it, but at the end of the day, it it works. I'm, that's, that's it. Okay, awesome. So LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And can we get a round of applause for our panelists, please? Thank you very much for thank you for answering all the questions. We're going to you know change this to um, a Q and A session right now. I'll get questions from audience. What's that? Your hand has been since, so go ahead, please. Yeah, thanks. So, so let me, let me clarify that the fact that I didn't mention, um, the technical skills, the assumption that those are table stakes, right? So you to enter into the those are things that have to, have to be there, right? Um, but in terms of how you go about bringing problem solving and stakeholder management, I think problem solving is solving problems, right? <laughs> so throughout your life, you're presented with different problems that, and you have to figure, you have to figure out how to solve them. So irrespective of what role, um, the person is currently in, it's that ability to identify a problem and systematically come up with a solution for that problem, right? So, and why I say problem solving is important because the tool that you use to solve it 
that's that's detail that's irrespective right but the ability to identify here's an opportunity and go through a sequential thought process of how what can we do to solve this problem that becomes vital because people talk about oh ai is going to take jobs ai is going to take jobs at the end of the day ai is a tool right the ability to identify problem and then um use the tool to solve the problem will always be the most important thing so that's why i always say like the, the ability to identify hey, here's an opportunity that we can we can um we can apply some sort of solution for that will help whether it's increase sales increase whatever bring more people to ignite church right those are opportunities in your everyday life that you can identify a problem and think through how can i what can i do to come up with a solution to solve that problem so there you know there's there's opportunities day in and day out and just to speak on i guess the problem solving piece i find that continuously asking yourself like how can i improve the situation also helps or also just listening to people's conversation and then like when you get in that mind space your ears sort of perk up when you hear an inconvenience or a problem if you're in a situation where you're doing repetitive tasks that's a problem because no one wants to do that right so it's also just being like tuning yourself into the situation and knowing that you can always make something better and you know if you could do it with technology that's good too um i have to have somebody else ask another question <laughs> um who else has a question um Ola, go ahead Yeah, so so I know exactly what you mean. Um it's big to many people in, in too many teams worldwide, right? You've got to take it one one day at a time, right? One network at a time. Uh, I think when if you look at the entire company like, oh I've got a network and everyone, it's not gonna happen, right? So you you should always take it one network at a time, you know, be intentional about who's gonna meet um, in that company. For big companies, everyone is on um on you know same communication channels. Right, you can search for certain names, search for certain roles, and find the people you want to actually communicate with. Right, so what has worked for me is one at a time. Find the people you want to communicate, you want to network with. You know, it's it's easy. It's in this day and age, right? In terms of just sending a note, sending a message, most people will be the audience um, for a fifteen-minute chat. Right, most people. Right? I mean, I don't think. I mean, they don't want to say no. Because that's that's seen as not being a, you know, uh, we don't have the right culture and all that. So um, just take one at a time, find the people and talk to them, right? And uh, you see that once you start doing it more and more, you start getting more comfortable, and you start to do you do it more, just because you, you can see the success of the few that you've been able to network with. Do you have a strategy for your outreach? 
there's no particular strategy for me. Uh, I think generally, I um, I, I look for people for certain things, right? Um, in terms of what you communicate to them. In terms of communicating with them and saying, yeah, yeah. you know, I want to network yeah, with you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so, so it depends on what the person does, right? Um, I'll give you an example. Maybe that will help. Um, there was a strategy lead in the small and medium business space, and um, she was based in Seattle. And um, I really wanted to connect with her just based on her profile and based on, you know, you know based on what I'd read about her. So I, you know, searched on the database and, you know, just said, hey, can I have 15 minutes of your time? And we had that uh, discussion. So when I got into the, into the meeting, um, you know, I didn't really have anything in particular to talk about, right? So I went there with a, with a mindset of this is, this is a networking um, scenario. So I'm going to be selling myself a little bit, telling her what I do and telling her why I reached out to her, right? So I reached out to you because of your experience in a small and medium business space, right? And because I have a little bit of one touch on the SMB space, I'm able to bring that in my conversation and talk about that, uh, you know, basically find that path, find that path where you both align, where you have something in common, and then use that in your networking. Awesome. Thank you. And I just wanted to mention again, um, just don't forget to scan the QR codes. That actually is how you will register for next week as well. So not only would you be able to give us feedback, make the event better, but also you'd be able to register for next week's session. Um, so let's take one more question. Actually, we'll be taking a few more. But, okay, yeah, you're you there. Yes. Can you tell us your name and ask your question, please? That's a great question. So I want to give some insight uh, into my particular role at Talisha Studio of Context. Um, I am a product manager for a video on-demand platform. Um, and within that platform, there are aspects that support uh, getting it to customers. So my team in particular, we use a internal asset management uh, platform to get videos to the set-top boxes in different homes. Um, my team deals with the operations of, uh, so, we, so we liaise with the producers that send the content to us. We liaise with the uh, software developers that help build the product. And then we also uh, liaise with the, um, the designers that build the, the look of the product. And then there's also the, the customers that we uh, receive feedback from and we get uh, insight into how we can improve the product itself. Uh, my particular role right now, because we're supporting a product that is, is changing so often and it's already uh, built, I tend to focus particularly on developing um, or supporting the development of internal features that can improve the way that my team in the back end can use the, use the asset management uh, product. So in terms of the phases of development, uh, we take, I take feedback from 
the my staff that uses the, the software. So they might say, hey, you know, we're not able to um, load videos in, in an efficient manner, just as an example. And we, so we take that feedback that goes to uh, the developer and the developer may have uh, some insight into why that may or may not work. Um, when in, in this particular role that I do have right now, because I haven't gotten the full breadth of uh, the, I guess, the product management cycle. So essentially the, the issues that I deal with in particular may not cover the entire development cycle and, and the, all the aspects of product management. I specifically deal with um, the issues that my team face. So I unfortunately can't give like a more in-depth um, answer to you, but what was the other part of your question? I Right. So when I mentioned um, that I'm, I prioritize product, uh, sort of problem solving, I think we have very frequent meetings with each uh, stakeholder that's involved in developing the product and maintaining the asset management uh, software that we use. And in order for, for us to be very efficient in, in solving those problems and making sure that the, the product actually works, um, I think one of the strategies that we employ is uh, making sure that everyone has a seat at the table and making sure that all angles are explored um, so that nothing is forgotten or nothing's overlooked. Um, I can say that there's been times where development has been wasted because uh, the wrong problem was prioritized and not enough information was input. So I think it's very important to just get all the angles and all the perspectives and document everything. Thank you, Nathaniel. Okay, um, we'll go to the back. Um, okay. So I might not be able to give you like a step one, step two, three, because the conversations fluid, right? Depending on the situations. But I think that's why I always, um, I always hammer on the problem solving pieces. Again, tr making sure you have a deep understanding, um, of what are the problems that are kind of pressing to the organization and how you understand that is so at the beginning of every year every company does like a you know they'll tell you what what is their strategic goals for the year and how they measure success and all that kind of stuff right so something that i usually do at the start of every year is i arrange meetings with every function um in my company 
to try to understand their strategic goals a little bit deeper, right? So once I understand, hey, for this for this year, we're foc- our team is focused on X, Y, and Z, then through that business understanding, I can always I can always now tie that back to here's an opportunity as it as it pertains to data, right? So whether it's some sort of for what they're trying to do, what they really need is just visibility into how a current thing is performing, but I know immediately, okay, they, it's more of a reporting problem that they have, right? Or if they're like, hey, we need to figure out how to better market to our customers, what that tells me is, okay, we need to understand our customers a little bit better, so there's a, that now becomes a problem of, okay, customer segmentation, we can dive, we can build algorithms to try to figure out who are our customers, what character, characteristics kind of you know, paint them and all those types of things, right? So I think it's it's a matter of understanding, getting a deep understanding of each business unit, and then also being able to now tie that back to the technical understandings of the world of data, whether it's data analytics, machine learning, whatever the case may be. That's why it always starts with business understanding, because like I said, the algorithms, the tools, all those are, they're there, right? But where the real value comes in data is being able to marry the business problem to the appropriate data resource or solution and so i think it's just a matter of understanding what the problem is and then being able to frame that as a data problem and then provide a solution from the very many tools that exist in the world of data awesome thank you i think okay we have for one more question and that would be it um i'll give you you yes thank you Mm-hmm. So is your question about the distinction of the role and also like if you want if you want to basically be focused on the the product itself and not like the management of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for your question. And it's interesting because when I was presented the product management role, 
it looked slightly different than what it ended up being. Uh, very deep into operations management and dealing with people directly, which happened to be something that I enjoyed. Um, I'm very transparent with, with my manager and the people that I work with, and I have a good understanding of the strengths of the people that I work with and also, you know, the expectations of the role. And early on, I was able to communicate what I liked, what my strengths were, and how I could leverage that to better you know, support the product. Um, the role was also demanding me to have a deep understanding of coding and some of the, the Google Sheets that they use were very complex. I'm able to learn quickly and, and really understand what is presented to me, but at the same time, you also have to know how to leverage other people within the organization. And so there are people that did have the expertise to work on some of the feats and the coding that I had to use for my role, to support my role. And it just was a matter of presenting it to my managers and the people that I worked with, like, hey, you know, this particular person that I spoke with has the skill set to, uh, you know, code and, and really develop the sheet that we're, we're, we're relying on. Just an example. Even though that was the expectation for my role, I was able to advocate for myself and speak to the strengths that I did have and push that versus, uh, what's just on paper. So I think. If you do develop good relationships with the people that you work with and the managers, I don't think, at, at least in my experience, I, I, I'm new to the role, but I did find that I had some leverage uh, to modify uh, my role. And even though I'm not, I'm a product owner, but mainly I'm dealing with people at the side that you don't really like. But if there's an opportunity to, you know, leverage the skills that you do have, just present and be like, hey, this is what I'm really good. This is what I can do. Um, and if there's a way to get support within your role from somebody else that you're also working with, maybe that's an angle that you could take. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nathaniel, Efe, Ella. Thank you very much for your time. Give you your own calls, please. And thank you to you all. Thank you to you all for your questions as well. Thanks for being here. I hope everyone is taking something away. I hope everyone actually enjoyed the session. And let's not forget, please sign up for next week. It's going to be an amazing time as well. Just scan the QR code um, and leave your feedback as well. And also, I think the QR codes are on the door outside. All right, everyone. Thank you very much. Have a great week ahead.